Welcome to the Simple Gospel Church Podcast. Raising a generation that will stand for Christ. Welcome to another Simple Apologetics service. If you've been here before, then you probably know what it's about. If you've not been here for a simple apologetic service, then I'll need to explain a bit what it's about, just for two seconds. Simple apologetics. Apologetics means a defense of the faith. So simple apologetics essentially is defending the faith of Jesus Christ in one way or the other. That's just it. Um, Because we live in a time of apostasy. Apologetics is not argument. So I'm not here to tell you this is bad, this is good. We're not here to have any form of debate, right? I'm just here to tell you what the Bible says, and I carry my Bible, and I go. And for the next few minutes, we'll just be doing that very simply. But it's not for intellectual discourse. It's for you to come to a point of decision on some issues of your life, and for some, on some issues of my own life as well. Right? It's not just so I want to tickle your brain. I don't just want to pose some philosophical question that will make you think and just tickle your intellectual and go, no. It's to bring you to a point of some form of decision or the other in your heart. Because when it comes to the faith of Christ, when it comes to Christianity, intellectualism is not the reason why people reject God. We have so many pseudo-atheists. I call them pseudo-atheists because the atheists of old are much more knowledgeable than our generation social media atheists that just gather one point from here, gather one point from there, gather one point from there, and conclude there's no God. The people who have studied philosophy, theology, history, and came to the conclusion by themselves, after plenty doctorates and PhDs, that there's no God. I respect them, at least they tried. Right? But today we just read some things online, we have some conversation with our friends, oh, it doesn't make sense. I don't respect us. I'm talking to myself too, so. But the point is people don't reject God because of intellectualism. Because smarter people than you have accepted Jesus. Right? People reject Jesus because of the heart. That's it. It has nothing to do with sense or brain. That's not the point. Because smarter people than us, more intelligent people than us, have accepted so when people come with the whole, some things don't make sense, blah, 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 and all that, that's not it. That's not it, really. It's a question of the heart. The gospel has always been and will continue to be a question of the heart, not your sense. Because always remember, there's always someone smarter than what? Than you. And smarter people than you have accepted him. What happened to them? Something changed in their heart. And also, as we move on in our lives, in the faith, what we will come to find is that there are things that need to be adjusted and corrected as time goes on. But those things don't get corrected here. They also get corrected in our heart. Amen. So let's check Mark chapter 8. Very quickly. This is our root text for today. Mark chapter 8 from verse 34 to 38. And we'll look at some things. It says, And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and what? And follow me. For whoever, whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake 
and the gospels, the same shall what? Shall save it. And he goes on to say, what, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? It's a question, right? Because there's a question mark there. Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Another what? Question. And 38 says, Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with what? With the holy angels. Simple verse. About five verses we just read. You know, there's something interesting about what Jesus is talking about today. Because somehow, I'm very fascinated by this question that Jesus asked. Because I, I think a lot. And this idea of what can someone give for his soul has been prevalent in the world for a very long time. It's actually something that is ingrained in humanity in one way or the other. Let me put it in a better way. Everybody on this planet, religious or otherwise, has some form of recognition of the fact that there is an inner man that is precious and valuable in one way or the other. True or false? Whether they believe in Jesus or not is a different thing. Their understanding of what that inner man is or who that inner man is is also a different story. But no matter what your belief system is, even if you are the greatest Scientologist in this world, there's always a standard acceptance somewhere inside every human being that there's something beyond this flesh that is inside of you. That is precious and what? And valuable. That's not the real you. It's the reason why we feel injustice. So when we talk about things like slavery, or we talk about things like crime against humanity, you feel something, right? Because there's a part of you that feels like a human being should not be treated this way. What is so special about a human being? You might not be able to explain it, but you know that this is beneath what a human should be. Is it about this flesh and blood? No. Animals are flesh and blood. So there's something, there's an awareness. No matter what you believe in, whether you believe in Jesus or not, there's an awareness that there's an inner being. Now, of course, for believers, our understanding is that we have a soul and a spirit from Scripture. The spirit is, the Bible says that the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. That's in the book of Proverbs. So the spirit essentially is what connects directly with God. That is the one that receives the life of God when you say, oh, I've given my life to Jesus. Your soul is the seat of your personality and your emotions and your will and your decisions. Everything that makes you, you. That's what we can relate with. It's your soul. So I could have an identical twin brother. I will not act the same way. Right? will not talk or think the same way. Why? There's something different that's working, two of us. Even if we have the same facial features. So it's not the body. There's something that defines our personalities and defines the way we think and defines our emotional makeup. And that's the soul. And whether or not you agree with that is different. But as a believer, that's what we know. But leaving the Christians aside for a bit will come back to us. Every human being has this. And this idea that that precious inner man can be purchased or sold has also been in prevalence for a while. 
Okay, I'll give you like three examples. So, there's this cartoon that some of us may have watched when we were young. I don't know. It's called The Little Mermaid. How many of us know The Little Mermaid? Yeah. You see, the Disney version of The Little Mermaid is not the original story. The original story was written by a Danish writer, I think Christian Andersen, in 1857 or so. The original story is actually about immortality and souls. So the cartoon, you know, it ends happy and everybody is jolly. And these stories, many of them didn't really end happy. In the original story, literature also for children. Note, the grandmother of the girl, the mermaid, who did not have a name, told her that although human beings do not live as long as the mermaids under the sea, that they live forever in heaven, in eternity. So the mermaid now determined that she wants to get to eternity. So what did she do? She said she wanted to be a, a human. So in, in the cartoon, the witch is bad and the sea witch is... She does, the sea witch does not even feature too much. In the main story, the sea witch just told her, okay, I'll give you legs, but walking on earth will be pain for you. It will be hell. And I will cut off your tongue. That's what happened in the original story. So the sea witch cut off her tongue and gave her legs so she could not speak. You know, in the cartoon, she was just mute. Uh -huh. So you see how they twisted it for people. I'm going somewhere. And so she was on earth and she was walking and going about. And the more she walked, the more pain she felt. And the prince was also there. But in the original story, they were not fated lovers. The prince already had someone he wanted to marry. She had an infatuation for the prince. But the prince never looked at her side. So eventually the mermaid got frustrated and killed herself. That's how the original story ends. You can go and check. <laughs> it's funny, right? Okay. That's an exchange of what? Of soul. I'll give you something, you give me something else. When I was in secondary school, so I was a science student, but I was a science student that had the privilege to do arts. So we read a book called Dr. Faustus. It's a drama, right? I read it in my SS2. It's called The Life and Death of Dr. Faustus. It's a tragedy. And I remember that it was a drama, so we used to take parts. So I used to read a lot of Mephistopheles' lines. Mephistopheles was the devil. What happened? Dr. Faustus sold his soul to Mephistopheles. And he got something in what? In exchange. And he had a good life, a prosperous life, and all that. But in the end, it, it didn't end in a lot of tears. A lot of tears. There's an Italian violinist called Niccolo Paganini. They call him the, the devil's what? Violinist. This one is not story now. Should we have told you two fiction? This one is real life. He, he existed. Why do they call him that? Because he was so good and he, he had a unique way of playing that hypnotized people to the point that people believed. He never admitted it once, but it was the general perception that he sold his soul to the devil. 
to get that skill. Now, I'm not here to contest the truth or the falsehood of these statements. What I'm here to talk about is this idea that this your soul can be sold. Where did it come from? Why is it something that we just know? And I cannot say that it's a bad thing. After all, Jesus is asking the same question here. What will you exchange for what? For your soul. So he's not negating that there's a possibility that it can happen. Because he's asking a direct question. What's the price of what? Of your soul. And there's an answer. But it's something to mule about and think about. Because somehow, as once we leave the age of these little children and we start to grow, this awareness that there's something precious in us, whether we value or not, is there. No matter what you believe in. So before we answer the question, I want to talk to you quickly about how we can be foolish with our souls. Because we've agreed that it's precious. But it does not mean that we treat it preciously. Unfortunately. It doesn't mean that. It is not automatic. And the reason we're talking about this is because if I say this awareness is in every man, right? And every human being has an awareness that there's something about beyond this ligament and bones and flesh and blood. And that thing is precious because it defines who we really are. But every day, people are still joining cults. Right? Every day, people are still joining one society or the other in this world to make it in life. Right? People are still compromising and consulting this altar or that altar because they want to make some advancement in life. And when they go to those places, they, they, they sacrifice something. They give a part of themselves. So why are people still doing these things if they know this thing is this precious? And the argument is they really don't know what the price really is. And even some Christians, unfortunately, we don't really know what the price is either. People are trying to mix Christianity with other things. People have not really made a com commitment to Jesus in the way that they should. And we're still trying to do like this. It's because we don't know what the price really is. Because we can agree that it is precious, but we can still be foolish with it. And we see a story of someone here in Luke chapter 12 from 13 to 18. And it starts with someone approaching Jesus. And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with what? with me. And he said to him, man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? That's Jesus' response. And he said unto them, take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisted not of the abundance of things which he what? Which he possesseth. And he goes on and he says, and he spake a parable unto them saying, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, this I will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my what? My goods. Continue. Or shall I go and put it myself? And I will say to my soul, So, thou hast much goods laid what? Up for many years. Take thine ease. Eat, drink, and what? And be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, 
this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall thee, those things be which thou hast what provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich towards who? Towards God. Amen. Amen. What's this man's sin? Is that he was rich? It's not rich. It's not riches. It's riches is not his problem. It's not being rich that was his problem. It was the fact that he allowed his riches to make him careless with his soul. And how does carelessness with your soul manifest? It manifests in three major ways. Number one is that he lived like his life ended where? Here. He lived like his life ended where? Here. He lived like all that was in life. It's just this world and when we finish, we will go. Second thing that he did is that he lived like someone that was not answerable to anyone. Right? Because he was in total and complete control of his life. At least so he thought. Until God said, you fool, your soul will be demanded from you this night. And the third thing that he did is that he lived like life was just for himself. Right? These are the greatest manifestations of foolishness. And it doesn't have to be money. This can happen to a Christian. There are Christians that are not conscious of heaven. Unfortunately, they go to church. Maybe they don't say it in the places that they go. I don't know. Or maybe they say it in the places that they go, but the thing just doesn't sink into them. That's one day, live 120 years. One day you will live here and you will not be on this plane anymore. And you will be somewhere else. And the light doesn't, it doesn't just go out to nothingness. That you close your eyes in one world and you wake up in another. That death is just a translation from one state to another state. And they live like that's not the case. And anyone who does not have an awareness of eternity, who knows eternity but lives like there's no eternity, is a fool. Is what? Is a fool. Is the truth. Because it's not just about here. The second thing that he did was he lived like he was not answerable to anyone. He lived like he was the pinnacle of his own existence. Right? Do you know the irony of humanity? If you look at the vastness of the cosmos, that's the everything that is created, in a physical sense, in a purely physical sense, we're not the most important things that God made. Are we? No. And even in this world that we claim that we are kings, they should take you to the zoo and lock you inside with a lion. Maybe you are, you are, you are gods, Sabi. It's okay. This, let's not even go to space or so the cosmos. Let's just even remain here. 
or they should somehow you find yourself in a boat and things should just like Titanic or the Titanic submarine or whatever that happened recently. In a purely physical sense, we are not the most important thing that God made. We are not. Our importance is based on how God feels about man. That's where we get our value from. It's from him. It's because he himself decided, for whatever reason, to value these people called the words human beings. That's the only place we get value from. But left to us, compared to all that he made, we're nothing. And so he lived like what? He wasn't accountable to anyone. And this is just basically what I call a lack of fear of God, which we will get into. And the third thing is that he lived like life was just for himself. He lived selfishly. Which is also the pinnacle of foolishness. And if we have any of this in our lives, then we're being careless with our souls. Because we do not really know what the price is. The price. The price of his soul. Jesus will not ask this question if he did not have an answer. But the thing is, he has already answered it before he asked the question. From verse 31 to verse 33 of that same Mark chapter 8, he was speaking to those same people before he moved on. And he said, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must what? Must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and of the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise what? Again. And he spake that saying openly and Peter took him and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned about and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter saying, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou save rest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of what? Of men. Was Peter the devil? No. Was the devil speaking through Peter? Yes. Because Peter was speaking selfishly. Peter did not know the import of that death. Peter was just thinking, you are our master, you are our leader. We are following you. What will happen to us when you what? When you go? Stop saying this thing. It's not a popular thing to say. And so Peter, Peter said, oh God, don't be saying this thing outside. <laughs> right? But that's the price of a soul. And that's the only thing sufficient to pay for a soul. And the price is not just the death of Jesus. It's the entire passion of Christ. It's his suffering. It's his rejection. It's his death and his resurrection. That's the price. It's not just the fact that he died. Jesus, if, if it was just about the dying, somebody would have just taken an arrow and a bow and shot him in the chest in one corner and he would fall in the, and die in the gutter somewhere. Every single thing that happened with him was because he needed to go through all those things. He needed to suffer. And his suffering did not even start when they arrested him. His suffering started when he was born into this world. Because how can God take on the form of man and live all his glory and you think he's not suffering? He's suffering. 
Because you in your small self state, it's not about even taking on the form of anything. If I say I want to give you some kind of food, or say, okay, oh, we're going out for one outreach or something, shall I follow us? And I take you to some kind of accommodation that there's no bed, there's no window, the thing is just blowing anyhow. You know that that night mosquitoes will finish you. You look at me and say, Pastor, but there are better ways to do evangelism now. If it's money we need, let's just go and... There's a hotel just down the road there. Let's just rent it. So we can be comfortable and preach. We don't need to suffer and what? And do the work. That's what you will say. Right? Yes. Can't deny it. That's what you will say. Because you look at that place and say it's below your what? Your standard. That is this same human being, this earth, though. I want to talk of someone living heaven. Have you read the description of heaven? Just the small we have in the Bible. He now left there to come here. His suffering started the day he was born. That's the truth. And then to now add insult upon injury. They now beat him. The people he created spat on him. I keep quoting this thing over and over again because it's just, it, it touches me somehow. The priest was asking Jesus a question. And Jesus was seemingly rude to the priest, right? But who created the priest? Jesus. And one bomboy of a soldier that was just overzealous. And the priest didn't send him. Oh, and he just went and he just hit Jesus. And every single time I read that thing, it touches me somewhere. Because it's one thing if they gave you instruction. It's another thing if you were just gingered like uh, how you be talking to our god this way i mean and that's god i, I can't read it and not sometimes i'll read i'll just close my bible like it still pains me till tomorrow because i know i can't take it <laughs> i can't take it that might be the point so i'll be like okay <laughs> It's true. That might be the point. I'm like, okay, it's enough. But he didn't do. He didn't react. He suffered. Or you think his rejection was not suffering? He was suffering. He was rejected by his own people. Some of you, if your best friend in the office decide not to talk to you for one week, it will pain you, eh? Or your brother or your sister. Because you have one small education. What it means for your entire tribe to reject your entire people until tomorrow they are still rejecting him. They rejected him. But it's it's still it's that's the price of your soul. And then he died and he resurrected. That's the price of your soul. And that's the only sufficient price for a soul. So you see. All the different types of compromises that are going on in this world, whether directly or indirectly, the reason why it pains me is because it's like selling yourself cheaply. Do you understand? When they say, okay, to make it in life, come and join this. Just come and become one of us. Or don't speak about, we don't talk about Jesus here. If you are to do this job and succeed in this job, then there's a way your social media must be. There's a way all this. Some companies do it, right? Right? Oh, if you want to, if if you want to make money in this this thing, some some of them are very overt. Some of them are very covert. So some of them are just 
they are setting and they will let you know from day one. Some is little by little. But beyond jobs, even in social interactions and relationships, and people are influencing ourselves every day. And what it really is, is we're selling ourselves cheaply. Because the price for that, your inner man, is this. Anything less than this, it's, it's just it's waste. And I've been saying a lot for a while that we are sheep. Not in the, we are the sheep of God, though, like, we are, and the Bible says that we are sheep, right? Because Jesus is the shepherd. That's not the kind of sheep I'm talking about here. So the same principle of us being sheep in that the sheep doesn't have a mind of his own, right? He just follows the master. It's the same way I say that we are sheep in this generation because we just follow trends. We are what? We are sheep. And so everybody has to say something. And social media has made it worse. Because an idiot can have 50,000 followers and have something to say. And people are listening. The person doesn't know a thing. And when I scroll, scroll through my phone sometimes, I see some people giving commentaries about things that they have no study, no depth about. You see a 25-year-old and you see career, life coach, how much life have you lived? <laughs> How much life have you lived? Life coach. And I was looking at I'm like, what kind of, even me, I can call myself a life coach. It's ridiculous. But that's the time we are living, right? And we are sheep. And then, then the next wave, everybody goes. I was having a conversation with my dad and my mom, and I was, we were talking about the standards of beauty. I was talking about someone in Uganda when we went for the last mission trip and how she has a good head on her shoulders and we're just talking. And my mom made a comment about how sh she's not being stressed in this. Because I said she's not being stressed by all the different men that are disturbing her in Uganda. She's a Christian young girl. She's in her 20s. And because in the conventional sense, she's not attractive. Like in the conventional sense. And when we talked about that, I now said, but this definition of attractiveness... Is it not, it's not because we are sheep. Wasn't there a time when it was the model, it was the Agbani Daregos, the Miss Walls, that was the standard of what is called beautiful? And somehow we now shifted, and Nigerian girls are looking for money to do BBL. Why? Because we are what? Sheep. And tomorrow the trend will change, and people will follow the next one. And in one way or the other, we're just selling ourselves cheap. That's what we are doing. Because the real price for our souls is Christ, is his death. Because there was a perishing. So in a sense, I don't really blame the rich, this rich fool. Because if there was no salvation, he cannot be wise. He cannot what? He can't be wise. Because... When we talk about sin, sin is first in nature before action. So when we read about the works of sin in the Bible and we read like Galatians chapter 5 and it starts to talk about greed and envy and all that, those are the works, those are the things, the way it manifests. Those are like the symptoms, right? You know, sometimes you are sick and you treat the symptoms and you get fine a bit because you've not hit the real thing. 
most popular one in this part of the world is you have typhoid and you think it's what? It's malaria. And you go to the pharmacy. I know we, we don't like, we just, pharmacists. <laughs> we are doctors unto ourselves. Go, go and get, go and find out what is really going on. No. And we just go. And, you go, and some pharmacists are actually good because they will counsel you well. But majority of them is just bring your money. We have one down here. Say anything is wrong with you. The most expensive thing is what they recommend. One day, I, might, I had a, a stomach issue on a Saturday. And I just said I wanted to get something. And they just started calling. You know those drugs that have this... When you hear the name itself, you're like... And I started shouting. I said, it has not reached there. Like, it's just... <laughs> it's not this deep. And when you hear the price, thousand, something thousand. Anyway, and we do that and we go and we treat it. But it was something else, right? That is how man focuses on the symptoms when it comes to sin and ignores the nature. The nature of sin is only the blood of Jesus that can wash it off. It's only coming to him. Everything else about your life in terms of your behavior and your action will come after. But you have to first give yourself to him completely. Because it's the nature of sin that will make you not have any concept of eternity. Because the nature of sin basically disconnects us from God. And once we are disconnected from God, we cannot think eternally. It's impossible for us to think about eternity because God is the only one that is in eternity. And it's also impossible for us to have the fear of God because we're not with him. And it's impossible for us to not live selfishly because selflessness is the attribute of love. And that love is only in God you can find it. And so when we cannot have these three things, when we cannot be eternally conscious, when we cannot have God live here, and we cannot have selfless love, we will be foolish. It won't be our fault. This is what Jesus came to give to us. So that I'm living my life today and I know that one day I will leave this place. So that when I meet a decision in my front, in my future, and somebody is telling me, yeah, Billy, come and do this. Or you think it's limited to you people. No, pastors join cults too. Do you know? Ah, there are many that are in cults in this Lagos. There are many fake places that, let's not even talk about it. There are many that are in this Lagos. There are many that, it's for money they are doing this thing. It's like business. Right? And so when somebody comes to me and says, Billy, there's a way that we can... We can just fill up this place fast. You are too slow. People have been here for three years. What are you doing? <laughs> just sharp, sharp. If I'm not thinking of the place I'm going, that one day I'll stand before God and I'll tell him, this is what I did. I'll answer now. Because the truth is that for every single thing that we do, we have to kind of think of where we are going. We have to. It doesn't end here. It doesn't. And you've been hearing this, if you've been in church for a while, you've probably been hearing Jesus is coming soon since you were born. Don't get tired of hearing it though. He's actually coming. He's coming. I know it might seem, that's the, the point is that when he comes, some people will have forgotten. So just don't be one of them. Like don't fall into the trap. Do you understand? Like the entire point is that he's going to come like a thief in the what? In the night. So it's not a shock that people are no longer ex expecting him. 
what you should just determine in your heart that I will not be one of what? I'll not be one of them. That's even if they say, forget that one, let's just do this Christianity. Do you know if Jesus is not coming soon, church is pointless? Do you know? Why are we here? Let's just go home. I think I'm not tired. <laughs> let's just go and rest. It's pointless if he's not returning. The entirety of Christianity is pointless. Paul said that if all we are doing is for this life alone, that we are the most miserable people on this earth. And it's true. If all the discipline and sacrifice and all the things that we are doing for the sake of just being a Christian and living the life that we know is godly, if it's just for here, then we are miserable. We are fools. But because it is not just for here and we know that there's somewhere else, that's what makes us wise. That's what makes us fear God. Godly fear is not being afraid to approach God. Godly fear is an awareness that God is there in everything that you do. And he is God. And selfless love is born from the fact that somebody loved you to die for you. And so the only logical response of the soul that has been bought, if you are a Christian, is that that soul needs to be sold again. Hmm? The bought soul must be what? Must be sold again. That's the truth. And the reason why this idea has permeated humanity, when I started this, I started with by saying, why is it that somehow, somehow, we all know that this our soul can be sold? It's because it's one of the things that God put in man. Because our soul cannot exist in a vacuum. It must be committed to something. And if you're not committed to Jesus, you'll be committed to someone else. Hmm? Can we read 2 Corinthians 5, 14 to 15? 2 Corinthians 5 is, is currently in this phase of my life, probably my favorite chapter of the Bible. It used to change. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto who? Themselves. themselves. But unto him which died for them and rose what? Again. It's beautiful, but it's a fact. Hmm? The only response is that we give ourselves wholly back to him because he gave himself wholly what? To us. Without withholding nothing, not holding anything back. Because Jesus did not leave anything of himself away when he went to that cross. He poured out every single thing. For you and me. For you and me. Which is why the words that he was speaking in our root verse, they were very dangerous words. It is because he knew the price he was going to pay that he was saying... That whoever denies him before men on earth, he would also deny before his father in heaven. Jesus cannot make such a harsh, in air quotes, statement. He cannot say such difficult things about carrying your cross and following him if he was not going to die. Because you see, even this kingdom life, there's a meritocracy. And God does not break principle. It is the value of his son's life that gave that son authority. We read it in scripture. 
If Jesus did not lay down his life to die, he would not have been given a name that is above every other name. Even if he is a son. It says, and because he what? He died. And so what did God do? He gave him a name that is above every other name. He paid the price, so he got the, the name. And so Jesus was saying serious things. And verse 16 says, says, For the love of Christ, Jesus constrained us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose us again. And it's the love of Christ that does that. Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. This is saying, this verse, I know it's KJV and it might be doing some things to your head. What it just basically means, in summary, is that the Christ that we are serving now is not the one that was on this earth. Because when we, we tend to think of Jesus, we think of the Jesus of Matthew to, what, to John, till he died and went. It's the same person, but he's different in power. And he's different in placement. Because now he's on his throne. Now he's fully God. He's not human anymore. So that's why he's saying we know him no more afterwards. The flesh. The reason why he can commit himself totally to this God is because he knows that, okay, this one that died for me is God. And we too, we must give everything back to him. Everything. Because if you don't give it to him, you'll give it to something else or to someone else. And that's what I'm going to close with today. When I ask you what is the price of your soul in the context of today's message, is the simple question really is, is all of you giving to Jesus? Because the price has been paid. It was paid over 2,000 years ago on the cross. What's today's date? 12th, right? So we're like a month and a half away from Christmas. And very soon we'll start celebrating that he was born, right? But what, what has been our response since? So the question of the price of your soul is, is it all of you you have given to him? Some people have given him part of themselves. I'm sorry, but part of you is not enough. Eh? Some people have given God some things, but they've not given God their relationships or their families or their jobs or their businesses. I know the funny thing about us human beings. The Holy Spirit is gentle. So when he has talked to you about something for a while, he just leaves you alone. And we can compartmentalize. Like, you can have an area of your life that is not surrendered to God. And you pray and God will stay inside you. You will still have pseudo-fellowship with God. Pseudo-fake. In that, every single time the Spirit of God is trying to address that matter, you will just what? You brush it aside. It will not fight you. <laughs> and you have a good devotion. You have a good time. And you think, you think you're living a good Christian life. You are not. You have not given him everything. You've not. You've not. 
Jesus wants all. He wants what? All. all. Every single part of you. That is the only response. He wants every part of you. Every single part. Every area of your life. He wants you to lay it before him. Because if you don't give it to him, you'll give it to someone. Hmm? You'll give it to someone. Some have given it to their bosses in the office. They don't know they have, but they have. Do you know that you cannot really say with your mouth the real position of your heart until situation plays itself out to show you yourself? So we can come and we can be singing, I surrender all, I surrender all. Let gunmen enter this place now. And say, okay, all of you that believe in Jesus, you are dying today. And those of you that are still shaking on the fence, you will live today. And don't to separate us like the sheep and the goats. <laughs> That's when you will know. Do you understand? You cannot even say with confidence that this is the choice that I will make. And that's when you, that is in situations like that, you start to see the real content of the people's hearts. Because the truth is that in, in, in someone's estimation, they might be looking at someone and saying, that one is not strong in the faith. Eh? That one can never stand for Jesus. And that person will just shock everybody. And shock all your imaginations and conceptions about who the person is in life. You have already said the person is the most unspiritual person in this world. And that person will stand. And God forbid, me. <laughs> because that's how life is, right? Because you cannot truly say the state of your heart until situation just reveals you to yourself. So the thing that we must always do is we must come to God in all honesty and tell him, God, I want to give you all. And those aspects of our lives that we know we have not given to him, we should surrender it to him. Ask him, say, help me. This one is hard. But I know you, you have the best in, in your mind for me. I know that I am offending myself. I know that I'm only doing myself harm by not giving this thing to you. Help me to give it to you. Because that's the only way you can say that you are truly responding to the price of your soul. Let's rise up. Thank you for listening to this message. The Simple Gospel Church is a church arm of World Impact Ministries dedicated to taking the gospel all over the world.